0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Breanne Showman, and I am joined today by Dr. Grady Donahoe. Grady and I had a thorough conversation around gut health, specifically how it impacts inflammation in the body, and then how that impacts our performance and our recovery. So whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Grady, thank you for joining me today. How are you?
1: Good. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm excited to chat with you today. Uh, We met in kind of passing briefly at my gym recently when you were there giving a seminar on gut health. And Mm -hmm. I love the perspective you have on it. I love the perspective that you give on it as far as how it relates to people's performance. And so I really want to dive into kind of all things gut health related today. But I know you do a lot more than that. so I'm just gonna give you let you have a little time to talk about who um you are. So I'm just gonna let you give your little bio, your little spiel, and then we'll dive in.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm i I'm a chiropractor by trade. So I went to chiropractic school, uh, but while I was there, I uh, found a whole lot of other things to uh, learn about and dive into. Um, so I'm I'm also a type one diabetic myself. So I'm uh, begun started to get really into um, the internal side of health. And um, narrowing down on my nutrition and how just everything in my lifestyle can affect how then my body performs and functions. And then also how that made it so much easier for me to control my blood sugar, um, being a type one diabetic. So um, so being a type one diabetic has always been kind of a blessing for me because it's, it's a great window into how my body's functioning. And so I can kind of see how well, you know, a certain strategy is, is actually working for me. Um, so that's kind of what got me into more of the internal side of things. And then, um, I just, you know, have really, really have had a passion for that, um, because of it.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. What have you, I'm just curious on a personal level, as far as once you started really diving into that more, um, what changes have you noticed as far as you managing your, your insulin levels and your blood sugar levels and how that all relates to then your, um, your performance?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I've been an athlete for most of my life and my, I became a type one diabetic when I was in sixth grade so about 12 years old. And, um, and so I was a wrestler at that time. And my performance at that time, obviously being my blood sugar being like almost 400 um, when I was diagnosed, um, you could definitely tell on the wrestling mat, um, just wasn't performing very well. Then obviously, um, getting treatment and getting my insulin, um, Everything seemed to normalize, but at the same time, um, there'd be every now and then that, um, my dad would notice, like, you just, he would just tell me, like, you just look like you're in cement out there. Like you're not moving very well. And then we check my blood sugar and it'd be like, you know, in the two hundreds. And so just that in and of itself can really impact your performance in the moment. um, If your blood sugar is high, or even if it's low, um, a lot of times performance will significantly um, decrease, whether it be strength or reaction time, um, or both, um, it can be really impacted by those things. And so, um, narrowing in on, on my diet, um, really, really helped me control my blood sugar much easier. Um, and so, cause like I went from being the worst of the worst, like eating a bunch of crap and, um, and just not taking care of myself from a, um, just a lifestyle and diet aspect. Um, always, always try to be really good about managing my blood sugar, um, but didn't think how my diet could make that so much easier. And so, um, you know, as I, as I got better and better at it, um, I, I just saw my numbers being much more consistent and therefore my performance being that much more consistent than as well. And, um, and so, you know, it started off with just kind of eating, like a normal person again because i i was playing football as well so i was just all about eating as much as i possibly could and then and then i just was like okay i, I need to stop this um this is not sustainable um so i just kind of started eating like a normal person relatively and then it became getting healthier and healthier choices um to where for for right now or for the most part right now um i eat fairly low carb so basically like meat and vegetables um, it's kind of what I stick to and, um, and doing that, man, it's, it's so much easier to control my blood sugar. And at the same time, my performance in, in the gym and in, in, in work and everything else, um, just works out so much better. Not only from, you know, that blood sugar aspect that I talked about, but then at the same time from, from an energy level of perspective, um, and then also, um, like hormonals, ho- hormones too um, have largely, largely been impacted by it as well.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I love that. Uh, diving into that a little bit further, especially kind of where you ended off. So by cleaning up how you're eating, eating more, just like proteins, veggies, that sort of thing. Um, you mentioned like performance improved hormones, improved all that sort of thing. What is it about like, eating just real whole foods compared to eating a lot of like those starchy vegetables. not the starchy vegetables aren't whole foods, but eating Mm -hmm. more of the like less carbs or the less processed foods. Um, What is it that like changes in the gut between those two sides part, part, those two aspects?
1: Yeah. So especially where where it relates to the gut is largely the inflammatory aspect. And so when you're eating a lot of just junk, um, there's a lot of inflammatory things in that junk. Both, obviously, we think about sugar um, being inflammatory towards, towards the system, but then you have a lot of other things that are in there as well, like um, processed fats, um, even polyunsaturated fatty acids, like a lot of vegetable oils, um, corn oil, peanut oil. Um, all those things are really inflammatory, um, not only for the gut, but then when you are absorbing them, and um, your body's trying to metabolize them that creates an inflammatory process in other areas as well Um, and then at the same time you also have a lot of foods that your immune system is sensitive to so not necessarily creating an allergic reaction but more so a delayed sensitivity so um, maybe reacting to it an hour two hours even up to three days later um, your body's kind of mounting an immune response to that food um, which is kind of spreads inflammation throughout the body. And so when you're working out specifically, your body is breaking down that tissue, which is going to end up creating an inflammatory response, which is a good thing because you need to break down that old worn out tissue. So new good tissue can be rebuilt and you get stronger from it. But if you have a whole lot of inflammation flying around already, um, then you're going to be breaking down a heck of a lot more than you really need to. And you aren't going to be recovering as fast than too. And so um, it's, it's really important to help um, help with recovery by making sure that you have as little inflammation um, flying around already um, before you even go and work out. And so that's where diet really comes in in a big way is if you're eating a lot of inflammatory stuff, then your body is not gonna be primed for that recovery phase, which is really where we gain a lot of our progress and our, a lot of our improvements is in that recovery phase. And so um, making sure your body has, um, not only low inflammatory food, but then also, you know, good food too, um, to make sure that you're able to use those nutrients and, um, and recover.
0: As far as the, I mean, obviously if we don't recover, we can't perform well in general, but, Mm -hmm. um, having these high inflammatory processes going on, does it also impact like energy level strength, things like that, like in the actual workout itself?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, especially where it comes into energy levels, Um, when you're, when you have a lot of inflammation flying around, it takes a lot of energy for your body to try and clear that stuff out, um, and, and, and just work in general. And so, um, from just a pure energy level, um, it can be largely impacted by that inflammation. And then, um, when you're actually then working out, especially, you know, in the CrossFit realm or really any realm where you're working out pretty consistently throughout the week, um, you're a lot of times you are maybe a little bit sore from that last workout. And so if you're, and that's where it comes, kind of comes back to that inflammatory load. If you're already dealing with a lot of inflammation and then you're continuing to break down your body, um, it's not going to recover as fast. So then that next workout that you have is going to be, um, not as well as it, as it could have been because you're still fighting that, that soreness.
0: Got it. Makes absolute sense. So going away from the inflammation a little bit, we will circle back Mm -hmm. to it. Um, but like, there's definitely people who it's like, I eat clean, I eat well, I eat enough food, which is sometimes debatable still, but I always go with it. Um, but like they still aren't performing well or recovering well. Um, And some of that can come down to as far as how the gut is actually actually absorbing the food. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are some reasons that our bodies may just not absorb what we're actually giving it?
1: Yeah. So one of the biggest ones and one of the most common ones that I see um, when I'm working with my patients is, um, is that they're not digesting well. And that can be for several different reasons. But one of the biggest ones is uh, usually the stomach. So the stomach uh, produces acid to help activate enzymes to break down the food specifically protein uh, for the most part and then at the same time it activates certain cofactors and things that help you absorb some of those nutrients um, from the food too so it, it ionizes minerals so you can absorb them much easier um, and some other things that to help pull in uh, b12 and folate and stuff like that And so if you're not, if your stomach's not producing enough acid, then you're not going to be digesting um, that food as well as you need to. And also then not not absorbing those nutrients like you need to. And therefore, um, essentially, you're just going to have expensive poop at that point, um, because it's just going to be running right through you and you're not actually getting the good stuff from the food. Um, And then at the same time, if you're not digesting that food, that food just kind of sits in your GI tract. It rots and putrefies and creates a lot of inflammation in and of itself, um, which then um, can produce a lot of inflammation and, and kind of wearing down that gut lining as well. And when you wear down that gut lining, you start to have um, very poor absorption. Um, and at the same time, you start absorbing things that shouldn't be absorbed and then having a hard time absorbing things that need to be absorbed. Um, so, um, where that comes in is kind of that leaky gut scenario where the tight junctions in between the cells um, start to get loose and you start getting bigger proteins getting into the bloodstream that shouldn't be getting in there, which then your body identifies as foreign and cr- starts creating that immune response. Um, so you kind of, you're kind of getting, you know, a double-edged sore there where you, you can't absorb the things you need to absorb. And then you're also not, um, or then you're also absorbing things that you're not supposed to be absorbing them.
0: Is there a reason, well, I'm sure there is a reason, but <laughs> what are some reasons behind our stomachs not producing the acid that we need?
1: Yeah. So there's a couple different things that can do that. Um, one of the common things is stress. Stress is a very broad term. Um, oftentimes when I say stress, people think of um, just mental, emotional stress. Um, but that's just one component. Uh, stress comes in many different forms. Um, it could be um from physical stress. So obviously overtraining can do that. Um, and then at the same time, um, chemical stress. So whether that be from an external source, like um, you're breathing air that has a bunch of toxins in it, you're drinking water that has um that's not clean, or you're putting stuff on your skin, or you're uh, putting stuff in your hair that has a lot of toxins in there, um, that can cause a lot of stress on the body and cause a lot of toxicity to build up. And then, um, and then at the same time, um, that those thoughts and traumas, you know, mental, emotional traumas can build up to where you have a hard time, um, fighting off and, or adapting to those other stressors. So, um, so I think it's important to try to identify all the different types of stress that's occurring on your body and trying, trying to remove them. You know, some of the easiest are some of those things that I talked about, like, Making sure you're drinking clear, uh, clean water um, and breathing clean air. Um, those are re- two really easy ones that you can knock out um, and and make sure you're getting on a consistent basis, which can take a lot of stress off. Uh, but then at the same time, you can have some internal um, chemical stress, um, and that's mainly in regards to blood sugar regulation. Blood sugar regulation is one of the biggest stressors for a lot of people, even when they don't even realize it. Um, and so if you're not eating frequently enough, um, then your blood sugar is likely dropping low a lot. And then at the same time, if you're only eating carbs to bring that blood sugar back up, then it's spiking. So yes, you are bringing it back up, but it, there's nothing to hold it there. So it comes back down just as fast. Um, so making sure you're having protein frequently throughout the day, um, will help keep that blood sugar a lot more stable and, um, take a lot of stress off of your system then too.
0: And then in reverse of that, is there, I'm sure there's people who get like high acid in the stomach as well. What are like, what does that cause?
1: Yeah. So with, um, high acid in the stomach, um, a lot of times that actually comes from, um, organic acids that are being created when that food is rotting, putrefying in the stomach. And so a lot of times the, Um, like acid reflux indigestion type symptoms actually come from low stomach acid production. And so um, so a lot of times we actually give them um, hydrochloric acid, which is stomach acid to help digest the food more fully. So that way that food just doesn't sit there um, and create more um, inflammation in those organic acids, which end up kind of wearing down that mucus lining of the gut and the stomach and creates, um, that's what creates that burning sensation then too. Um, and so, so, so for the most part, I find that low stomach acid is kind of the cause for, uh, for all that stuff. It, very few times do I find that it is a pure high stomach acid. In those cases, though, um, it's just about building up that mucus lining. And, um, and so like, you know, olive oil juice and stuff like that can help you uh, build up that mucus lining. Um, and then, like you said, you got to identify why. Why are they producing too much acid? Um, and that usually comes back to something that's um, triggering more of an uh, immune response. So some, something that's triggering inflammation oftentimes is what's um, uh, producing that. And that can be you know, a lot of different things. Uh, most commonly, obviously, like we talked about is food. Um, but there's other things that can do that then too.
0: This conversation got me curious now. Um, we see alkaline waters everywhere now in the stores. Is there a, like even a need for that being that most of us have low acid rather than high? Now let's take a quick break to talk about Equip Foods. Equip Foods is a supplement line. But what I really love about them is their products are made with, real food products. There's no fillers, there's no chemicals, there's nothing artificial in it. So everything that you are putting into your body when you consume their products is good for you. And they don't just have the normal protein and pre-workout type supplements. They also have products for decreasing inflammation, for joint health, for circulation, for all sorts of things that just help you be an overall healthier person. So go check out everything Equip Foods has to offer at equipequipfoods.com. And at checkout, if you use code FIX15, that is F-I-X-1-5, you can save 15% on your order. You can also get a link to Equip Foods and all my other partners at Get your pt.com slash partners. And now let's get back to our conversation.
1: With the alkaline water, I think it's it's very much hyped up, um, and I think the because there is a lot of people that do notice a big difference when they switch over to alkaline water or something like that. And I think that has a lot more to, to do with the fact that they're getting clean water and, and getting it consistently, um, and maybe a little bit less to do with the fact that it's alkaline because. Um, once it hits your stomach, um, it's going to be getting neutralized, and your body's going to be in a response to that alkalinity. It's going to be producing more more acid, um, and so, yeah. So that's kind of my my theory on that. I know a lot of people may disagree or agree with it, um, but I think it has a lot to do more to do with the fact that it's clean water um, versus alkaline water, and um, uh, but there is I think something to be said about maybe. Um, minimizing that while you're eating food, um, because that may kind of neutralize some of that acid to where you're not going to digest quite as well. Um, So maybe just having enough sips of water to keep your mouth um, going, but um, not enough to where it's going to neutralize a lot of that acid.
0: Is there kind of continuing on this conversation with like acidic and alkaline? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, I know certain like Drinks and things like that are a little more acidic than others. Is there any like pros or cons to like drinking more of those or like something like I know coffee can be highly acidic is like without getting into the whole is caffeine good or bad for you conversation, Mm -hmm. um, from the acidity side of point of things, like, is there something like too much coffee, too many acidic drinks can cause,
1: um, I think with anything, if you, if you're taking it in excess, um, there's only so much your body can adapt to. And so, uh, moderation is always, I think always a safe bet. Um, but, um, as far as, um, as the acidity of certain things, um, I, I wouldn't pay too much attention to it unless, like I said, you're consuming it every day and, or maybe, you know, several times a day, um, Um, then you might start running into uh, problems with that. Um, But like, um, like I said, a lot of times people need a little bit more stomach acid. So like, um, I know it's, it's getting more popular to have like add lemon to your water and or uh, maybe take a shot of apple cider vinegar. Um, And um, for the most part, people largely benefit from those types of things because it like I said, it kind of helps increase that stomach acid or lower that pH to where it's activating those enzymes a little bit better. Um, so a lot of times that those are positive um, um, as long as you're keeping it with it reason. So like uh, pop and stuff like that, obviously is still not good. Um, but uh, <laughs> as long as it's coming from a good source, um, it's usually pretty safe.
0: Awesome. Uh, switching subjects a little or switching directions a little bit. I know um food timing can also have a big role in how we digest food, inflammation mm-hmm. that's caused because of that. Um, I would love for you to dive into some of that because I know that's always a question with people is like when should I eat before workouts and after workouts? And um, so what what light can you shed on that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um yeah, you you know, just describing why this is important is because um you have your parasympathetic side of the nervous system and you have your sympathetic side of the nervous system, which is sympathetic side is that fight or flight response side. Parasympathetic side is that rest and digest healing sort of side. And so they're always kind of fighting for, for power over that nervous system. And so, uh, when you're working out, your body is going to be preferentially going into that more of that sympathetic mode where it's driving blood into the big muscles and away from the gut. So if you have a bunch of food in your stomach while you're working out, one, your workouts going to be suffering because um, it's, your body's not going to totally abandon your gut because there's still food in there, um, while at the same time, it's abandoning it enough to where you're not digesting that well enough to where, okay, now you're creating a infl- inflammatory scenario even if you are eating good food. Um, and so, um, so you definitely want to space your food out away from your workouts. Um and now the question always is okay how 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 much do I need to space that out? Um and it kind of depends on each person. Each person has um a different transit time through their GI tract. So um so what I usually su- suggest for people as a starting spot is if you're eating before a workout, um that food usually takes a while before it gets through. So um so I usually have people wait two you know 2 hours um before they're going to work out if they're going to eat you know a fairly substantial meal. Um and then you can know you can try working it in from there. So um you know try an hour 45, hour 30. Um I probably wouldn't go much further in than that. Um and then it also kind of depends a little bit on your on what you're eating too. So like if it's a heavier meal where you got lots of protein, fats um and stuff like that, uh you're gonna probably have to wait a lot longer. Um whereas if you're just eating like a very simple carb and, or maybe like a protein shake where it's already digested for you, your body just has to absorb it. Um, then that can be like, you know, maybe 30 minutes and you'll be fine. Um, and then you still, and then after workouts, you still want to give your body a little bit of time to get back into that parasympathetic mode, get more blood back into the gut before you start pounding, you know, the, the protein or steak or whatever it is. And um, so at that point, I usually um, wait at least 15 minutes, Um, I would say probably 30 minutes is a probably good, good amount of time um, before you start eating like heavy food. Um, Again, if you're eating or drinking a protein shake, um, 15 minute mark is probably a good mark to to start at. Um, But you want to make sure you give yourself plenty of window because you want to make sure one, you're going to be absorbing all that that food you're intaking. Um, and then at the same time, not then creating more inflammation because there's, there's not enough blood in your gut to get, get everything going
0: from a, when talking about gut health, I think a lot of people like kind of think, well, since like digestively, I seem to be okay. I think I'm, I'm, i think I'm fine. um, what are some other signs or symptoms that someone might have that, um, can tell that tells them like, maybe the gut should be, uh, or maybe your gut health should be assessed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, obviously if you're having like gas, bloating, uh, pain in your abdomen, that's a pretty pretty clear sign that something's going on. That's not working well. Um, but some, some other common things that seem like just normal things that people, um, do that aren't necessarily actually normal, um, are things like belching and burping. Um, those are pretty clear signs that you're not producing enough stomach acid, which is creating that those gases of that rotting and petrifying food in there. Um, and so um, belching and burping is a very common one. Like I said, indigestion, acid reflux. Um, that's another common one. Um, and in um, your stools. So if you're only having one bowel movement a day or every other day, Um, That's obviously not good. We need to have at least probably two or three a day um, for optimal kind of gut gut function, especially if you're eating a decent amount. And I'm assuming um, people listening to this podcast are people who eat a little bit more because they're working out more. And so um, so if you're eating a pretty good amount throughout the day, you should be um, going to the bathroom at least probably two or three times a day.
0: How does hydration play into all of this?
1: Yeah. So hydration is obviously very important for a lot of different, um, processes in the body. Um, but at the same time, um, staying hydrated oftentimes will help with, um, transit time of food. So it helps kind of, um, with, with bowel movements in in that regard. And then at the same time, um, helps a lot with, um, indirectly kind of producing stomach acid, uh, cause there's a lot of different things or there's several minerals that your body needs, um, to actually produce stomach acid that, you, that can be found in water. It can be found in other things too. So it's not like it's necessary, but it is very helpful. Um, and then, um, at the same time, like being dehydrated puts a, puts a pretty, uh, big stress on the body. Um, and so, uh, Typically, uh, you're not going to be getting as much good fun- uh, stimulation to that gut. So again, kind of creates that scenario where um, you may be getting the right foods in, but it may be causing inflammation because that food's just kind of sitting in there and not moving.
0: Awesome. Okay. Cool. Last thing I wanted to dive into today, from a like gut health, inflammation, blood sugar, like you name it, standpoint. However, you want to answer this. Um, artificial sweeteners. I know there's a ton of different ones out there. Um, there's all points, all people's, all sorts of views as far as which ones are good, which ones are bad. Um, can you shine any light on which ones like to avoid and why, or if any of them are okay?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, the couple that I like are, um, the two that I like the most are stevia and monk fruit. Um, and then xylitol is okay. Uh, those, are, those are usually the ones that I kind of cut off at. The rest of them um, produce issues in, in their own ways. Um, and so um, a couple different ways is like um, um, aspartame um, produces a lot of toxicity in the body. Um, so your body or your liver has to clear that out. Um, and so it's just another burden on your liver trying to detoxify and get rid of it. Um, it's also a a neurotoxin and so it can impact your brain function as well. And then, and then other ones, um, produce, um, just produce inflammation. Like I said, in, in a couple of different ways, a lot, a lot of it has to do with, um, the amount of burden that it puts on the liver because it's harder to process those, um, sugars versus, um, the, the more natural sugars, um, like glucose and, um, the easier sugars to break down. And so, so it's just, it's just harder on your system to, to, uh, metabolize those things.
0: Okay. Thank you for that. All right. Start kind of start closing it out. Um, for someone listening to this, like they're kind of curious, think I might have something that might need addressed. How can they start figuring out for themselves? Like what, like, uh, er- Two things, if they know, if they can tell they're reacting to something, how can they start figuring out for themselves what they're reacting to? And then secondary question, um, just to start improving gut health, like two or three things that they can start doing at home on their own.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like identifying foods that, um, your body doesn't do well with is easy in a, um, in a theoretical sense, um, but harder in an actual application sense. (laughs) because it requires removing a lot of foods, because you got to figure out which food it is. And so the, the tough thing about food reactions is that it can take anywhere from a couple hours to three days later before your body actually creates that response to where you can identify that food that's messing you up. And so if you eat, you know, a piece of bread today, um, and that those symptoms may not show up till um, two days later. So um so what's hard is is you got to do basically an elimination diet if you're doing this on your own um and so one of the probably the best elimination diet um without being too crazy is probably a um, carnivore diet um because at least I find most people do pretty well with animal products uh, meaning that their immune system doesn't react to them and so um doing a carnivore diet for you know Couple of weeks, maybe even a couple of months, um, getting your body into to where it's at a very baseline kind of health. You get you get to where you feel pretty good, and then you start adding foods back in very very slowly. So, like at a week at a time. Let's say I want to add back in broccoli. So I eat broccoli at least once a day for you know a week at a time. Um, at the end of that week, if I don't feel like I um, have changed at all, whether it be energy levels, brain function, gut, um, whatever it is, everything's stayed pretty well. And I still feel pretty well. Okay. I can eat, 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 broccoli. Now, now you can add in that next food and do that for a week. Um, uh, Cause that way you have that week span to get that constant exposure. Um, and that way there's no confusion on, okay, I had broccoli, but I also put some, garlic on it Uh, was it the garlic or was it the broccoli Um, so you don't want to add too many too many variables in there because otherwise you're not going to know which one it is that you're flaring flaring yourself up with Um, the other quicker way to do it is just to get a food sensitivity test done um, which is just a blood test Um, and it allows you to be a little bit more specific and and really know is my immune system reacting to it or is it um, or is it fine um, so there's easy, easy and cheap ways to do it. Um, or there's quick and more expensive ways to do it. <laughs> um, and then as far as what people can do, um, on the day to day to, um, kind of help their, their digestion or their you know, gut function in general. Um, I would say, um, one of them being, um, getting movement in, um, especially like after, like after a big meal, Um, If you go for a very light walk, um, almost like you're just going shopping, um, that type of slow walk um, will help with uh, gut motility and getting getting that food to move in nice, nice and easy. Um, And then um, making sure you're fully present when you're eating, because a lot of times we're not very present, we're thinking about all these other things that we have going on that day. And we're just scarfing our food down. And so we're not actually chewing our food fully. And all that, those big uh, particles of food are getting into our stomach. And even if we have enough stomach acid, we may, it may just be too much uh, food. So the more surface area we have, meaning the more we break down that food before we even swallow it, um, the easier it will be for your stomach to then digest all that food. Um, so chewing your food very thoroughly and having smaller bites um, really helps take the burden off of your um, internal gut and uh, can really help with digestion and and gut symptoms.
0: Awesome. I love that last one. It's a great reminder for myself too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you're just in a hurry.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, Grady, you shared some great information today. If someone has more questions, just wants to reach out to you, um, wants to find out more about what you are about, um, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, I'm on, um, Instagram and Facebook, um, optimal, uh, Instagram is optimal dot, uh, solutions. And, um, and then on Facebook, optimal healing solutions. And then I, you know, I have my website, optimalhealingsolutions.com And then, um, if they want to schedule an appointment or, um, a consultation or anything, Um, They can either do that online on my website or they can call me um, uh, uh, for 480-447-6581.
0: And then on that note, do you do anything just so the listeners know, do you do anything virtually or does it all have to be in person in the state?
1: Yeah. So right now I'm just doing in-person stuff, but I'm working on getting my um, website set up to where I can do um, online stuff. So that should be hopefully within a month or so.
0: Okay. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for your time today. We greatly appreciate this. was great information.
1: Yeah. Thank you for for having me.
0: I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Highly Functional and had some great takeaways from it. If you'd like to discover more about the foot and ankle, you can check out runwithhappyfeet.com or check out my full website at getyourfixpt.com. And until next time, go out and be highly functional.